the breath you breathe your life in me you have been so so
Good morning, Cyrus Bible Church. Uh, so happy that you can join us uh, to worship the living God this morning. I wanted to encourage you this morning from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, uh, starting in verse 19. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true hearts in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promises is faithful. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting the gathering together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage each other, and all the more as you say the as you see the day approaching. Uh, so, so we're encouraged uh, with the hope that soon uh, we are going to be able to gather back together in in our sanctuary at Cypress Bible Church. Uh, but we are still entering into a time of worship together. Uh, we, we are not hindered by the lack of a building uh, from our worshiping together. And and so praise God for this opportunity that we've had. Uh, over the past few few weeks and months, uh, to continue to uh, to worship together, what what an encouragement! Uh, but I want to uh, remind you that we still have some opportunities in in these days to continue to stir each other up towards uh, good works and good deeds, and and to serve our our community around us. Uh, we've started an initiative called fill fill the trailer, and so we are uh, collecting food for Cypress Assistance Ministries. And so our goal is to fill the trailer filled with food. And so that would take 270 crates. Uh, currently, we started this last week. We're going to be collecting food from Tuesdays to Thursday uh, from 9 to 3. 
and uh, we'll be doing that over the next two, three weeks. And then uh, VBS will also be collecting uh, some food as well for, for the Fill the Trailer initiative. And so we would encourage you to be a part of that. Um, we've got 30 crates so far, so we're, we're well on our way uh, to accomplishing that goal. Uh, and again, just a reminder, the sanctuary, we will have service on uh, Jan- June the 7th. And uh, so we will be sending out some guidelines. Uh, we're going to do that in a, uh, a way that we want to protect everybody who comes. And uh, we want everybody to feel comfortable and welcome. Uh, but there will be some guidelines that we will send out for that. Uh, also wanted to encourage you uh, to, uh, re- we've talked about this idea of redeeming the time. And so we want to send out some videos for you that will help maybe better equip you in being able to share the gospel, even during these times of uh, isolation and uh, separation. And so uh, those videos will go out uh, starting on Monday. Uh, we also have a, a live training on Thursdays from 10 to noon. And so you're, you're welcome to join those as well. And so you'll find those uh, links on the CBC website under our virtual page. And so uh, thank you for, uh, for continuing to be faithful in, in your giving and supporting of one another and uh, all that we're doing as a church body. It's been really encouraging to all of us. And so uh, we thank you for this time this morning when we get to, uh, again, worship together. Uh, Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, as we enter into this time of worship, I pray that we would all sense uh, unity among your body, that we are together. And I pray that we would be encouraged by the fact that, that even though we are separate, we are together because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we pray this morning that you would stir us up. Uh, that you would uh, renew our minds, that you would draw us closer to you and one another, that you may be glorified in and through us, through your church. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. God bless you. As we prepare to worship our great and mighty God, let us first take a look at this verse from 2 Samuel chapter 7. How great you are, sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. David's prayer is an expression of devout affection toward God. In one short verse, David expresses so much about the true nature of the Almighty. How great you are, Sovereign Lord. In His name, nature, and persons, in His purposes, promises, and works, God is great. There is no one like you. For His essence and attributes, for His greatness and goodness, for what He is in Himself, for what He is to His people, and for what he has done for them. And there is no God but you. There is only one God, the living and true God, the creator of all things, ruler of all things. As we have heard with our own ears. His displays of power in the land of Egypt, his provision for Israel in the wilderness, his victory over the Canaanites in the promised land, and his deliverance at the hand of the judges. For all he is, all he has done, and all he continues to do for us now, Let us offer him our praise and give him thanks as we proclaim, How Great Thou Art. Let's worship together this morning. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. 
Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When through the woods and forest glades I wander And hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur And hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, and when I think that God his Son not spared, him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, He bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art! How Thou then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall bow in humble adoration And there proclaim, my God, how great Thou art Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee How great Thou art, how great Thou art Then sings my soul, my Savior God to how great Thou art, how great Thou art. Hi, we're the Hughes family. I'm Larry. And I'm Jeanette. And I'm Ethan. And through this separation, God has taught me patience. It all goes back to 2018 when I was diagnosed with leukemia. I went through a nine-month phase of going through intense treatment where I was unable to do the things that I love. I was really sick and I had a lower immune system and I couldn't go out really as much, kind of like how we are right now. And then I, right now I feel great. I, I can do the things that I love, but I'm, I can't because of this pandemic. And so God has really tested my patience because I really want to do the things that I love now that I'm, I'm, I'm healthy again. And so um, through that, I have to trust God that this is his plan and that you know it's his will and we have to trust in him 
and me as a parent and a mom for my son Ethan who has been really battling uh, leukemia with a great attitude. I was uh, very concerned at first and I had fear and I really just had to read God's word, depend on him and uh, what's bigger than fear is the um, is the perfect love of Jesus Christ and that has really resonated in my heart and it really has brought us closer together uh, spiritually and uh, we know that God is sovereign and that really helps us for me one of the things that I've learned through this is the importance of a tight-knit family so we were already a tight-knit family before COVID broke out and uh, we were the kind of family that we work together, we play together, uh, we do a lot of activities together, and and now that we're stuck together, we're continuing to to do some of those things, but now not with other groups, just with ourselves, and it's been something that God has really uh, showed us that the importance of a family, a tight family unit, is very important. It helps you in times of that are tough or when they're struggle. So recently, my wife and I, we've been reading scripture all through this time. Uh, I guess it started around in mid you know, mid-March. And uh, we're reading a lot about the Old Testament and how God would rescue Israel and how they would, he would rescue them and then they would go their own way again. He'd have to come in and rescue them. They would turn to him. And then as soon as he rescued them, shortly after, they would go back to their, their idols and other things. And my hope and my prayer for all of us during this it seems like a lot of us during this time because this is a this is a tragic time that a lot of us have turned to God and then my hope and my prayer is that when we get on the other side of this that we continue to turn to God even during the good times Keeper, light in the darkness, my God. 
stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop Never stop working, even when I don't see it, you're working, even when I don't feel it, you're working, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop working, Bob. When make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are way. 
deeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are you are way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness my god that is who you are
now to pray for you and with you. Would you join me as I do that? Our gracious God, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, our Savior. We come not as strangers, but as your children. Once we were enemies, but we were born again. We were made new creations through the blood of Christ. And now we have help for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessing beyond measure. Lord, I pray for the needs of your people today. We all come with a variety of struggles, personal struggles, personal burdens, some, many, that are known only to you. But you invite us, you call us to bring everything to you in prayer. So even though you already know our every single need, we call to you. We ask you to meet our needs this morning and give us the assurance that you hear us through Christ. Some of us need physical healing. Some of us have emotional pain. Some of us experience fracturing in relationships. Some have overwhelming anxiety. Some are filled with disappointment or, or grief. Some have burdens that feel too heavy to bear. Lord, we bring all these things to you, our almighty Father. We release these into your care. Lord God, would you answer over and above what we can even ask or imagine for the glory of your name. We pray today for our government officials that they would have divine wisdom and the ability to lead justly and wisely. We pray for law enforcement, for health care workers, for all who are, are struggling with the prolonged effects of this pandemic. And Lord, we as the church of Jesus Christ pray for 
a revival of godliness and righteousness in our country for the spread of the gospel around the globe. We pray for your spirit to minister to us today. That you would minister to us through your word. That it would come with power into our lives. And as that word is sung, as it's spoken, as it's prayed, as it's demonstrated in communion, may your spirit convict us and encourage us with your truth. May we be doers and not just hearers of your word. We pray this in the name of your precious Son, Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice Let all the earth rejoice The Lord wraps himself in light As with a garment He stretches out the heavens like a tent And he wraps himself in light And darkness tries to hide And trembles at his voice Trembles at his voice How great is our God Sing with me how great is our God all will see how great how great is our God he stretches out the north over the void and hangs the earth on nothing he binds up the waters in his thick clouds and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon and spreads over it his cloud. He has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the sea By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. And how small a whisper do we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand?
And age to age he stands And time is in his hands Beginning and the end Beginning and the end The God had since most of us have been in an airport, but uh, you'll probably remember moving walkways if you've ever experienced one. And uh, you can walk alongside it. You don't have to get on the walkway and probably beat someone who's just standing there on the moving walkway and and, uh, 
letting that convey them along. Or you can walk on the moving walkway and make pretty good progress. A Bush Airport, last year a, a woman sued the airport for injuries that she received on the moving walkway. So it can be a little dangerous, I suppose. And that's why there's that constant warning if you've been near anyone. You've, you've heard it. Caution, moving walkway is ending. You know, so get ready to stand on your, your own two feet or move along on your own. It's that warning. Warning, caution. Moving walkway is ending. Well, this series is really that kind of a warning, only much more sincere desire that uh, the Apostle Peter is writing to the Christians who are suffering for their faith, and, and he tells them, the end of all things is near. It's this caution, this warning to be ready. The end could be Jesus will come to rescue his people and to judge the world today. So be ready. Or your own life could end today. Be ready. And the, through this series, through this passage, we've been seeing the encouragement from Peter for God's people not to act crazy, not to go to extremes, not to run away, not to live for yourself. Instead, uh, even though you might be struggling, live for Jesus. That's the encouragement. The end is near, he says. And so for these three weeks, our focus has been on 1 Peter 4, verses 7 through 11. And, and this is a paragraph or a pericope of scripture and that is uh, uh, this this paragraph is one unit of thought it stands on its own and uh, it, it lists the priorities that God's people should have because the end is near so the first week we saw how we, we must declutter to pray there are things that we need to get out of our lives in order to focus on God because the end is near and the second week it was uh, about how love covers a multitude of sins and that uh, we need to, to cover the, the faults and failures of one another. Many, many sins, faults, shortcomings, so that we can focus on the main thing. And this morning, we end this series, the end of this paragraph of Scripture, uh, talking about using our gifts to serve. Now, as a Christ follower, you have something to contribute at this critical time. You have a part to play in the end as it is near. So we pick up in this paragraph and go to verse 10. It says, Each one of us should use whatever gift we've received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Now, I would say if you've been taught about spiritual gifts, if you've been in the church at any point, point in time you you have I, I ask you to set that aside a little bit don't automatically read what you know into the text just focus on what it says and what it doesn't say keep your mind open to its teaching so uh, peter is speaking to christians and and letting us know we all have gifts from god each one of us has been given a gift and the greek word is charisma it's related to the word for grace. We have this gracious gift that God has given to us. So what is this gift? Now, a gift is not complicated. It's whatever God has entrusted to us. And we didn't earn it. You don't earn a gift. You don't uh, 
buy it. You can't demand it. Otherwise, it's not a gift. Um, Now, the ultimate gift that we have mentioned for us in Scripture is salvation itself. And and, uh, so I want to share with you a very familiar verse, Romans 6.23. Maybe you didn't know it worked this way, but it says, The gift, charisma, of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So those who believe, those who are in Christ, are pardoned from death row, they're forgiven, they're set free by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross. And when you receive God's gracious gift, his charisma, that's God's payment for your sin by the sacrifice of Christ, you are saved. You're part of the the family of God. But when we come to 1 Peter 4, verse 10, that's not the gift that's being referred to here. Same word, but it's not referring to the gift of salvation. It's talking to those who have all received the gift of salvation and says that there are some, there's some charisma that God has given to us in various forms. There's additional gifting, various shapes and forms of gifts that God gives to us. And the Bible refers to a charisma when it says, 1 Corinthians 7, 7, each one has his own gift charisma from God. One has this gift, another has that. So there's this variety that Peter is talking about here. Now, I I think as Christians, sometimes we make this far too complicated, and we we think of spiritual gifts as some kind of supernatural ability or or special power. It's sort of like the uh, USA Today poll that came out uh, a a few years ago that asked, what one superpower would you like to have? And 28% of people wanted to read minds, and 15% wanted to fly or be be invisible, super strength. I I just don't get the last one. 1% want the superpower of walking through walls. Uh, I'm I'm not sure... if you're going to pick a superpower, why is that high on the list? Are you too lazy to open doors? I don't get that. But some people think of spiritual gifts as this sort of superpower that, that has just amazing ability. And, uh, and that's why some Christians say, and I've had them say to me, uh, I, I don't have any gifts. I don't have a gift. I'm just an ordinary person. And that misrepresents what Scripture clearly teaches you have the gift of God in Christ, then you have a, 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 another gift of grace. You have a charisma that God has blessed you with. And uh, according to a, a Barna survey, uh, about two-thirds of American Christians aren't able to accurately apply what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. And I think that's one of the reasons. They just think this is uh, something supernatural that uh, they can't identify with, don't have. Now, but whatever this gift is, clearly the Bible says each of us who's in Christ has received it, and it is to be used to serve others, Peter said. Serving others. That word serve, diakonotes, is, is the Greek word for it. It's where we get our word deacon, and it simply means to, to serve tables, to wait on someone, to care for the needs of someone. You don't need a special ability to do that at all, to to care for the needs of someone else. You don't need to have a a supernatural power for that. You just need to be responsible with what you've been given. Uh, So just imagine that the last time we met together as a a church and all the programming was going on and everything, just imagine that uh, everyone who came onto our campus that day, we gave a gift card to. 
every single person. Uh, uh, so a thousand people or more got a gift card, whether they were young or old, whether they were uh, well-off or unemployed, whether they were a member or a first-time visitor, we gave you a gift card. And that gift card, let's say the, uh, the lowest amount of the gift card was $1,000 and the highest amount was $10,000 and we just distributed them to everybody. The only stipulation was that you use it to serve someone else, to meet the needs to minister to someone else in the body of Christ. And so let's say you know that uh, Joe and Carol, making those names up, had triplets recently. And so you have this $1,000 gift card, and, and, and so you invest in, in, in uh, giving uh, diapers, let's say, to Joe and Carol. $1,000 worth of diapers ought to last like a few hours with triplets. And so, but that's your gift. That, that meets the, the need. You have an opportunity and you meet that need in the, in the way that you've been gifted. Or maybe you know that uh, Ed has lost his job and, and uh, so y- you use the card that you have to have groceries delivered to his house uh, for the next uh, uh, several months. Or maybe you have a $10,000 gift card from Carvana and uh, uh, there's a single mom in your, in your small group who, who has no transportation and, and this is a, a, a real struggle in her life. And so you uh, use that gift card to have a car dropped off at her house to meet that need. So I want you to realize that in Christ, each of us holds a gift card. That's the charisma that God has given you. And with that card, you can minister to one another. Now, the obvious question that you have is, well, uh, how, how, what, which one do I have? Uh, how much is it for? Um, but your charisma might be in fixing, constructing, or creating. It could be the gift of time where you volunteer to, to serve or to share with someone uh, who, who's sick or alone. Your, your charisma might be in wisdom, and, and that wisdom could be in the area of parenting or finance or business or grief counselor or so, something, something that's needed by others might be the gift of compassion or encouragement, and you could uh, write a note or send an email or make a phone call. Perhaps you're gifted with money or other resources, and, and so you give to, to meet a real need or to, or to support a righteous purpose. Your, your charisma might be teaching or leading or helping or any of a million things. Whatever it is that you've graciously received from God, grace in a variety of forms, should be used. And it's usually not a supernatural ability, something that amazes the crowd. It's just the undeserved blessing of God in your life. Dispense it. And the text says to administer it. Administer this charisma. Uh, that, that word means to, uh, well, it, it's a word that's used of household stewardship, to manage a household well. And household management, there's a lot of things that don't take any talent at all, and it t- don't take any special ability, many things that just need to be done. Like a- As a teenager, you might have some chores uh, that you're given as your part in the household. It might be to mow the, the, the grass or, or to take out the garbage. And just imagine saying, uh, uh, my apologies, Father, but pushing a mower is not in my gift set. Or... or uh, Mother, moving garbage is not my forte, mother. Perhaps you can find a, 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 a need that's more suited to my gift set. Well, I think your mom or dad might have a gift for you that uh, you wouldn't appreciate if you came up in that way. But as part of the household, 
this, these are things that need to be done, and, and so uh, no special ability is required. And, and that, that is, I think, the same true with many of the gifts that God gives to us. What keeps Christians from being faithful and being administrators is this, I think, too often this mistaken motion, a notion that they, they aren't ministers, and that ministers are some group of trained professionals, and, and that spiritual ministry then demands some kind of special power or ability. I've seen this played out in my own life many, many times. One example, years ago, a guy came to me and said, Pastor, my, my co-worker has great need, and I, I want you to pray for him. And I said, oh, okay, great. Well, tell me uh, his name and tell me the circumstances, and I'll pray for him. He says, no, no, no. He says, I want you tomorrow to get on a train and go downtown at, at our lunch hour and so that you can pray for him. And I said, really? I said, I, I'm not sure I can do that tomorrow. Does he know I'm coming? No, 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 he doesn't know. This. I, I just want you to, th- and, I, and I said, well, why do you think I need to pray for him, like, right there? Well, it turns out he, he believed that the p- prayer of the pastor would carry greater weight than his own prayer, and, and so let me assure you that uh, when I pray for people, they don't automatically ascend to heaven or anything. Uh, that, that that there's nothing special about that, and I encouraged him to minister to his coworker and pray for him, which he had not done yet. He he wanted me, the professional, to do it, and, and I think that kind of mindset uh, comes in too frequently. L- let me tell you that your charisma, every one of us can pray. That, that's a gracious gift of God that we can have. Let, let me prove that to you from Scripture, where the Apostle Paul thanked a bunch of Christians in Corinth. And this is 2 Corinthians 1.11. He thanked them for praying for him when he was in trouble, and he called that prayer a gift, a charisma. Now, man, this is the Apostle Paul. This guy could do miracles. He's an apostle. A, a guy fell out of a window and, and died, and Paul resurrected him from the dead. Paul had some powers, and yet here he is praising some unnamed average Christians for the gift of prayer that they gave to him. That, that's a privilege God has given you in Christ Jesus. Use your gift. Pray for somebody. And, and whatever your gift is, it's going to fit into These two categories, by the way, and now we come to verse 11. If anyone speaks, he he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So break it down. Your ministry, your, your gift is something you say or something you do. Or both. It's speaking or serving. Uh, So the charisma you speak can be praying, teaching, counseling, singing, testifying, encouraging, advising, exhorting, mediating. Uh, It's the very words of God that you're speaking when you use that gift. The charisma you serve with can be fixing, cleaning, visiting, giving, helping, cooking, training, mentoring, guarding, constructing, providing, supporting. But the power... The energy of that comes from God by his spirit. And operating in his strength, you can be effective and and confident and persevere. So get rid of this thinking that you need some special ability that no one else has. God may give you a special ability, but charisma is not a superpower. Let let me give you this. It's not so much a superpower as, as a 
ministry opportunity, an assignment or activity that builds up the church. It's whatever you do by the grace of God that builds up the church, that serves his people. And so when you carry out that activity, others will be blessed, God will be praised, and you will be living for the end. The uh, dailygreen.com says it's time we added a, a word to the, the phrase of reduce, reuse, recycle. Uh, reduce, reuse, recycle. You're familiar with that. And it says we, we need to add the word regift. Now, now, you know what regifting is. It's taking something you already have and, and gifting it to someone else. And, and that, that can work out pretty well. You, you, know, for, you might do your Christmas shopping in your closet or your, your kitchen uh, pantry or something and, and give something to someone else. Now, this can go horribly wrong, and there are many, many stories about uh, improper regifting. Uh, and, and so, for example, uh, the guy who regifted a meat grinder, and when they opened up the gift, they found dried bits of meat on the inside. That's, that's terrible regifting. Or, or the regifted red flannel pajamas that when they were opened up uh, and tried on, they, they found a sock and a dryer sheet in the leg of, of the pajamas. Or the $100 gift card that was given to find that there was only $13.67 on it. That, that's terrible regifting. Uh, regifting something nice and new and needed by the person you give it to can be a fine thing. And so as I look at this passage, I, I want to encourage you to become a regifter of grace. The grace that you've been given, regift that grace. What are you doing to ser- serve someone in the name of Jesus right now? What, what are you doing for God in his strength that brings him glory? If you've received grace, you must be regifting that grace in a way that builds up the body of Christ. That's how the church flourishes. That's how it was built. Every single one of us, as long as God has us on this earth, has that opportunity and responsibility, and we must not fail to carry it out, regardless of whatever changes happen in our world. The end is near. We need to become regifters of the grace that we've been Forgiven, been given. Now, and this is not about self-fulfillment, saying, well, then if I do this, then I'll feel satisfied. I'll feel worthwhile. No, this is about accomplishing what God has to do, us to do. It's passing along the gift that we have received, and we will then receive gifts from others as well. And the reason that we need to do this is more about urgency than our uniqueness. It's not so much that we're so unique that we must do it. It's that, that we're urgent. The times are urgent. The end of all things is near, Peter says. That's why we need to do this. It might be the end of your life, or it might be the time when Christ returns to bring history to an end. This is the time to, to re-gift the grace you've been given. And, and you don't need a superpower to make your life count. Don't waste too much time waiting to discover some special ability that's going to amaze people or be spectacular. You have a charisma if you're in Christ. Whatever blessings you've received, whatever opportunity has been placed in front of you, that need that you can do something about, the assignment that you can fill, the grace that you've been given, re-gift that. Now, a number of years ago, Amy and I were on a uh, mission trip to Haiti, and 
I think there was like 20 other folks from our church that went with us. And, and we had a, a variety of things to do. There, there was, I, I was going to do some, uh, along with others, some training of leaders and church pastors. There was an evangelistic set of meetings that uh, I was going to speak at and uh, uh, along with some others. And um, as well, there was a variety of construction projects. And so we had, we had uh, high school students and college students along with adults there and doing all kinds of, of different things. And I, I think during that time, Amy and I, I don't know that we worked together even one day uh, be, because we were off in different directions doing different things. Um, one day, I was... I was teaching pastors all day, and, and uh, during that day, uh, Amy had been putting together bunk beds for dormitory. I mean, this is, now she's not a carpenter, but she, she likes, she's a puzzle person, and uh, she likes to serve and help. She has the gift of helps, and so this was right up her alley. It was something that needed to be done, and she did that as I trained leaders. Uh, another day, I was preparing for the evangelistic meetings, and I was gone the, the, the whole entire day. I came back, and I asked Amy, I said, what, what did you do today? And she said, I helped deliver a baby. I, I said, really? That, I mean, that wasn't on the agenda. Yeah, well, something that needed to, to, to happen, and she was there to help. She has no experience or training as a midwife, but there was uh, an opportunity to, to serve. She was needed in that, and she provided uh, that service, that ministry, and she shared a form of God's grace. That's what it means to be a regifter of grace. Very practical. <laughs> what, what, what's the need? What's the opportunity? So here, let me share this with you. The key to what God wants you to do in these last days is to ask, Lord, how and where do you want me to serve today? That's the key to ministry in these last days. It's asking that question. And, and following the opportunity that God gives you. Here's one way that you can begin to answer that question. Very practical. Let me give it to you. We're going to offer a virtual programming workshop called Serve. We offer, we've offered Serve before, but now it's going to be virtual for you. Uh, this four-session workshop will provide the opportunity to explore how God has created you. Uh, it, it will allow you to meet individually with a serve coach. Uh, it will give you the, the opportunity to connect with ministry opportunities that fit, that are suited for you. So I encourage you, uh, one step you can take is go to the virtual programming page at cypressbible.org and, and there's a questionnaire that you can complete that will indicate your interest and the times that you're available. Uh, and, and so that's one way to begin answering that question. That, that's a question we all need to ask. And, and God's answer might be a short-term task or a long-term responsibility. Uh, it might take a lot of skill or no skill at all. But for many of you, there's a change that needs to happen in your life right now, starting today. Maybe you've been leaving ministry to the professionals. Maybe you thought that... Uh, any talk about giftedness didn't include you because you're just ordinary. Or what you're doing isn't glamorous enough to be considered ministry. And I would say that's wrong. Listen to what God is asking of you today. The end is near. Time is short. You have an opportunity to do something that counts for eternity. So let today be the day when in Jesus' name you become a regifter of grace. Not for your own good, not for your own honor but so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Well, we want to continue to worship 
and do so around the table of the Lord, the elements that uh, he has told us to remember him with until he returns. So hopefully you have something ready now and uh, you will participate with us. Let me pray as we begin to take these elements. Lord, thank you for the gift of your grace, first of all expressed through the sacrifice of Christ our Lord and, and poured out on us day after day after day. Lord, we, with these simple elements of bread and cup, remember the awesome price that was paid for our salvation. This gift we did not earn or deserve, you lavished upon us with great love through Jesus. So Lord, as we eat and drink, may we do so with this overwhelming sense of awe and wonder and gratitude and praise. Because you have brought us from darkness into light. You have changed us from lost sinners to saints, children of the living God. So Lord, quiet our hearts and our minds. Help us to focus on you and give you the thanks that you deserve. In the name of Jesus, amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he blessed it and he said, this is my body. So would you take and eat in remembrance of him? With the giving of his body, Jesus took our sin upon his perfect self. Carried the weight, the burden of the sin of the world that deserved to be paid by me and by you. And then he gave his life. His blood spilled out on the cross. And with that blood, the perfect sacrifice, it cleanses us from every sin. And so, Lord, now we drink in remembrance of you. Jesus said, drink this and remember me, the new covenant of my blood. It is important that we continue to do this, and however we can, and even in a time of pandemic, because Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me until I return. So we pray for the return of Jesus, when we can celebrate with him in glorious places. God bless you. This world reveals and war. 
yours to own. All I once thought gained, I have counted lost, spent and worthless now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you, and all as to possess by faith what I could not earn, receive this benediction now. This is from 2 Peter, Peter's second second letter to God's people. Receive this good word from the Lord. Now may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. In our Savior's name, amen. God bless you.